we've been showing some videos from people that know him over the past couple weeks. And so uh, we have a few more videos we're going to show this morning. Uh, and uh, these should be really good. So watch this. Hey, Dad, it's me, your favorite daughter. I just wanted to shoot you this message to let you know that I'm so excited about your upcoming retirement and this new season of your life. I just want to say, first and foremost, thank you for being an amazing father. You were the same person behind the pulpit that you were at home, around the table, in the kitchen, you know, and I just am so thankful for that. And I thank you um, just for being a, a great godly example in our house and in our lives. And um, I just want to encourage you to keep chasing after your dreams. You've always been one to dream big dreams which is why you hiked the Appalachian Trail from start to finish. And if anyone could do it, I knew you could. And I'm so proud of you for that. But I just want you to keep going after bigger and better things, um, things that people will say are absolutely crazy. I know you can do. And I know that God has big plans ahead for you. So just continue to pour yourself into those around you and to disciple those and um, take everybody under your wing and show them what you got because you're awesome. And I love you so, so much. And I just wish you the best is yet to come, I know that, I love you. Hi Dad, this is a video to say happy retirement, however, it seems strange to say happy retirement to you when ministry has never been a position but a lifestyle that you've lived every day. Um, I've watched many years um, how you've spent hours each day just pouring into preparing and studying and praying over your sermons each week and um, how you've just visited and called on um, the members of your congregation and even outside of church where just each day or everywhere you go, you're just finding people and noticing people and um, helping them and encouraging them any way that you can. So instead of saying happy retirement, instead I'm going to be saying congratulations on a job well done so far and that you've finished strong in this season of life and I'm just looking forward to what God has in store for you and what all these many years of ministry so far have prepared you for. And so I know for you and for you and mom together that the best is definitely yet to come. And I love you so much and I'm proud of you. Dad, <laughs> hey, just want to say hello from uh, the East Bay, sunny California. Uh, happy retirement. It's coming up soon. I'm so excited for you. It just makes me laugh and, uh, and uh, cry and just think about so many crazy memories from Florida to West Virginia, um, hiking, biking, uh, you know, camping, cooking oysters in our backyard, uh, skydiving, um, you know, so many things. I just get emotional. But, yeah, I just want to say I'm very excited to see where this next chapter takes you in life, where you and mom end up, um, where, you know, where your bike will take you, where your, where your pedals will take you, um, and uh, that I love you so much and miss you guys, and really uh, am looking forward to the holidays to see you. Love you so much. All right, that was great. There are tissues at the end of each row where the windows are if you just want to pass those across. It's good, isn't it? You know what? Um, I have three kids as well, and I'm praying that between now and and when I get to Pastor Don's age, which is so long <laughs> from now, <laughs> man, I pray that my kids would say the same thing. And, um, he, and he didn't know we were going to do that, and he didn't prompt them to say that. So uh, that's a good thing, isn't it? That's a life well lived. That's a ministry well done, and we're excited to play a part in celebrating that. So come on back at the end of the second service and celebrate that with us. We're going to have a great time together. Uh, why don't you stand? We'll read the word together. Nehemiah chapter 2. And, and I want to let you know before we start 
that, man, I'm preaching to myself today is more than I'm preaching to you. And, and I'll, I'll also let you know that Pastor Don has been great at this uh, because I, I can wear my emotions on my sleeve. Uh, if I'm mad, you're probably going to know it. And um, if I'm excited, you're probably going to know it. If I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I just over the years, I'm like, <laughs> and, uh, but I've had the opportunity to work with Pastor Don, and he's like, steady Eddie every day walks in. He's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, you're not upset? <laughs> Never. And so, um, just to let you know, in case you thought I was like that, <laughs> Uh, the whole time I was preparing for this sermon, I was like, Chris, man, you got to step it up. So let's read this together. Nehemiah chapter two in the month of Nisan. And that is how you say it because I Googled it. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I want you to underline this and whatever Bible, app, paper, whatever. Underline this right here. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. You ever had those moments where you're like, oh God, give me something good right now because I got nothing. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I could rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take? When will you get back? It pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple for the city wall and the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. And the king also sent army officers and cavalry with me. Father, we thank you this morning. We pray that we be people that could honor. So the way you set it up, Lord, that we'd elevate those above us, around us, under us, Lord, that we'd be people that people will just feel better when they're around us, that we would lift their spirits because of your presence in us. We thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray, and everyone said, amen and amen. Remember, turn around, tell somebody, it's your choice. It's your choice. Honor is always your choice. Honor is always your choice. I want to, just a couple things really quick. Um, we had a lot of information that came out. I want to thank uh, Pastor Sam and, and Brad for uh, uh, putting that app together. Brad did a wonderful job, didn't he? And if you need, um, yeah. Look, I don't mind shamelessly plugging somebody's business. He's the owner of Firebrand Media, and you should follow him. And, and if you need any website work or anything like that, go to him. It ain't free. Stop thinking it's free. Um, But uh, they actually came up with a very inexpensive way to make that happen. How many of you know God will um, orchestrate things? So so how much is this app regular? Yeah, so... An app that's uh, seven eight hundred dollars a year uh, to get what we got. We paid fifty bucks one time for it. Um, yeah, but that's because they were paying attention, and this company did a, a special, and and uh, we were able to take advantage of it. 
So um, that's, that's God's favor. We thank him for it. Listen, God wants to get the gospel out worse than you do. That's why he sends you coupon codes. Well, that's one way to look at it. Um, but I do covet your prayers. I'll be leaving tonight uh, around 1030, I think, to fly to Ghana uh, in West Africa. And I'll be back on the 28th, I believe. We'll be doing pastoral training seminars. Look, I think there's something special that God is doing here in our midst that translates everywhere. And, um, and if you, you know, there's something about when God does something, whether Here's the thing. If God is doing something in your midst, you have the ability to assign value to it or not. We've talked about that before. And so if you come to church every week, you're like, ah, it's all right. Then that's, that's what you're going to communicate to everyone else. But if you come to church every week with an expectation that, man, God is amazing. He's doing something in our midst. He's amassed this group of people to spread the gospel as far and wide as he will give us strength to do. Then that's a totally different attitude, isn't it? That's something worth carrying everywhere you go. And so when the opportunity comes up and somebody calls you and says, hey, you're going to Ghana with us next year, you're just like, okay. And that's pretty much how it happens. And I also want to thank my wonderful wife, who uh, so far has not complained about me leaving. (laughs) Listen, it'd be impossible for me to do what I do without her. And um, if you've ever, if, if you know us very well, you know, she's the reason I wear clothes in the morning. Like, uh, I'm like, God wants to, lie, let's go. And she's like, don't forget, you've got seven things to do today and you got to be organized and you got to keep a list. And I'm like, oh man, that's so confusing. Um, and I appreciate her and the kids putting up with, uh, not putting up with it. Uh, I'm proud of God calling us to do things like this. And um, uh, one of those moments happened senior night. Um, My oldest daughter, Madeline, is taking senior pictures and all that crazy stuff. And if you've done that before, pray for me um, and and Beth. But we were at at her last home game. And, uh, of course, we walked her out, gave her flowers, and and each player writes a little statement about themselves. And uh, she wants to go to college and do civil engineering. I told her, look, if you want to do missions work, get a degree in something that you can do in any country on the planet. And, and you can be self-supportive and spread the gospel at the same time. And so uh, she wants to get an engineering degree, and I hope she will, in her future, think about her parents when she's rich and all that stuff. And um, while she's spreading the gospel, I'm like, hey, the Bible says honor your parents. <laughs> So, but when she walked out, um, I didn't know what she wrote. Um, she spent a, a month in Costa Rica doing missions work this past year. She went to Honduras with me last November, and uh, she wrote that she wanted to go and get a civil engineering degree and do missions work all over the world. And um, and I thought, God, that's all you, because um, you realize you're not that good, right? Yeah. Amen. Let me give you a little background on what's happening here. This is Nehemiah writing this, and, and he's in captivity. Um, the Jews have been exiled for a long time. And uh, they were exiled originally into Babylon. And, um, you know, disobedience sometimes gets us in places we don't want to live. Amen? And God warned them and warned them and warned them. And, um, and finally they were exiled. The Babylonians came and conquered them under King Nebuchadnezzar and took them into exile. And, and you may know stories of Daniel. Uh, Daniel and the lions then happened in this context. Um, the three Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace happened in this context. There's, there's a, a lot of things. So Daniel, Ezra, and Nehemiah all kind of talk about this period of time. Well, what happens is after 40-some years, um, Babylon, the Babylonians are conquered by the Persians. And, and so there's new leadership, there's new kings in place. And a really cool thing happens uh, under King Cyrus. It's about 47 years after the Babylonians took rule. Um, Cyrus made it possible for any Jews that wanted to, they could go back to Jerusalem. 
and, and rebuild the temple and all that. He made, made a provision for them to go back. And uh, you, know what's, you know what's kind of ironic is out of about a half a million people, only 50,000 of them went back. Because sometimes we get comfortable, don't we? Sometimes we get comfortable right where we are and, and God gives us an opportunity to go back where we should be and we go, ah, man, that's a long walk. And so about 50,000 of them go back. You can read about more about that in the book of Ezra. And Ezra ends up going back. They rebuild the temple. And, and Ezra, the book of Ezra is about him going back and doing a kind of a spiritual awakening um, uh, back in Jerusalem. And they, um, it's, a, it's a good book to read. So they rebuild the temple. And, and now we pick it up in Nehemiah. Chapter 2, Artaxerxes is the king, and Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. That's important. Uh, Because if there's any poison, you're the one getting it. He's the cupbearer to the king. And um, and so he's got a he's like the king's right hand man. He's there. And I want to talk to you uh, about three things. I'm not gonna tell you what they are, but I I am gonna tell you that I alliterated them uh, in the hopes. Um, I'm leaving tonight to go with Barnabas Ministries, and David Wins uh, is the founder of Barnabas Ministries, and he will alliterate your sermon while you were preaching it and make a better sermon than you ever thought it would have been. And so as I was preparing, I thought, in the spirit of David Wins, I'm going to alliterate my sermon. So hopefully it works. Something that struck me, I told you to underline it is that uh, Nehemiah starts out by saying that I was a cupbearer to the king and I had not been sad in his presence before. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? I want you to think about that. It doesn't indicate that he had not been sad. It doesn't say that. It says, in the king's presence, I had not been sad before. That means, that means somehow, regardless of what happened in Nehemiah's life, he could control his emotions to the point where he would not allow himself to be sad in the king's presence. Now you might think, well, he's just faking it, covering up. He's a suck up to the king. Well, back in those days, if you weren't a suck up to the king, you were a dead person to the king, right? You either did it or you, or you, you didn't. It wasn't just like, hey, the king's like, ah, I think I'm going to let you go. It's not working out. You're kind of always sad. So we've got somebody else lined up to do this. No, like you're dead. That's a good retirement package, isn't it? Emotions are something that we all experience. You ever been around somebody that couldn't control them? I just told you I was that person every now and then. Emotions are something that we all experience, but we all can control. It doesn't say that he never had a sad day before. It, was never, it didn't say that he was never sad, that Nehemiah just always walked into the king's presence and was like, hey man, my life is great. It didn't say that. It just said he... He was never sat in his presence before. Romans 6, verses 12 through 14, it says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. You may think, well, that's really, that's a tough scripture if you're going to relate it to to just your emotions. How do you know that at some point in time as an adult, we should get control of some things? Like how many 30-year-olds do we have throwing fits in the grocery store? Really, and you're looking at them, you're like, like, I remember that person when they were like six and, and, you know, the parent was dragging them around. They were throwing fits back then. They're still throwing fits. They're still emotionally like, and, and then you run into people like, man, I'm just, I'll let you know how I feel. I don't want to know how you feel. It's called control. You don't have to tell everybody how you feel all the time. Any, anybody tired of hearing how everybody else feels? Uh, one way I can help you with that is turn Facebook off. It's so freeing. Like, if I don't look at it every day, I'm just like, I don't know how everybody else feels. And this has been a really good day. It's actually been better than knowing how you feel about everything. 
And we've come in this society, we've, we became a society that it, it's more genuine if you tell everybody how you feel and think, right? That was all just being real, man. It's just being real. Well, I believe there's situations where, where as adults, we should control our emotions. Come on, somebody say amen. You should agree with this more. Because I'm talking about me. You should be like, oh, yeah. Amen. What, the, what Nehemiah is saying here is up to this point, I've been able to control my emotions in front of the king. Now you say, I don't, Chris, I don't understand what the big deal about it is. Because I believe when we wear our emotions on our sleeves, we can dishonor people in a heartbeat. Think about that. Now watch, watch how this works. So let's start off in your office. You walk into the office, you walk into to your, maybe a job, uh, job site or whatever, wherever you work, you walk in and you had a bad night the night before, you know, whatever, you know, life happens, you stumped your toe, whatever, get over it. And, uh, you wake up the next morning, you're still sore about it and it's just whatever. Or maybe it is something worth being upset about. But what happens is you walk into the office and you chew the head off of everybody you run into, including your boss. And what we do is we say, well, I'm, I'm validated, man. If you knew what I was walking through right now, you'd be just as upset. What Nehemiah is saying, in the, his whole career of being cupbearer, he had never done that once to the king. Now, your boss is not going to kill you, I don't think. But think about the amount of dishonor we show, we show our, our employers when we walk in with bad attitudes. We're just like, well, we, they needed to have it this morning. I needed to let them know how I felt about it. Nehemiah is saying, I have never done that in my whole career, ever. I've never even been sad in his presence. I've never had a downcast face in the king's presence. It's not that I haven't had a rough day. It's not that I didn't want to drink the Kool-Aid because it could be poisoned. It's not like I've just determined in my heart every time I stood in front of this guy, I was going to have a good attitude about it. What if the church showed up for work Monday like that? What if we showed up for church, for work Monday and went, you know what? To honor the person God has placed over me, I'm going to show up with a good attitude. And what they're going to know me by is that Chris never shows up with a bad attitude. He always shows up with a winning attitude, with a good attitude, with hope, with joy, full of grace, full of mercy. When Chris shows up, he shows up and the team wins. But in our society, it's not that way anymore, right? Because we're, we're supposed to broadcast everything. You know, it's, it's just genuine. That's what it, we're going for genuine. We're going for real. I never liked real that much. Because here's what happens. If we take off the filter for everybody, then guess what? Nobody's special. There's nobody that I need to control my tongue in front of anymore. We're raising generations of kids that don't know how to control their tongue in front of anyone. You got to tell me no. I should lay off of that because some of you might disagree with the type of punishment. But um, like you're six years old, you don't tell me no. And I don't need a reason. Come on, I just gave some of you parents a lot of liberty there. You've been trying to come up with a reason for every no. And God says, you don't need one. He's six. Just tell him this is what you're going to do. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Madeline's almost 18. I'm like, I don't need a reason. I still don't need a reason. Still don't need a reason. You're just not doing it. But what we've done is we've, is we've given ourselves the freedom to dishonor people through our emotions. All right, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me bring it a little closer to home because you're like, well, I typically show up to work with a good attitude. Oh, good for you. What happens when you go home? Dog didn't do anything to you. But you come home from a bad day, kick the dog, yell at the kid, and then dishonor your wife for the rest of the night. You know, honor is where we go, hey, you're special. I'm going to elevate you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure you know that you're, you're elevated in my eyes. There's, I'm going to, there's a distinction about you. Amen? It's what we're placing on that person. 
And what we do when we let our emotions run wild is we strip all that away. You know what? You're no better than, than the guy I don't know that I'm just dumping on in Walmart. And so we show up for work, we come home, and we're just, well, this is the way I feel, this is the way I feel, this is the way I feel, this is the way I feel. Instead of going, this is the way I feel, but I'm elevating you to a point where you don't deserve that. Listen, I'm not saying don't have honest conversations with people, but you can do it with a smile, can't you? You can do it in an honoring way. You could sit down with people and say, hey, listen, I just need to let you know I'm struggling right now. There's things going on at home. There's things going on, whatever. And I just need to, I just need to let you know this. And I want to honor you. I want to honor you as my boss or as my wife or as my husband. You notice I didn't give any examples about women doing this because I'm smart. But we just were in this free fall of whatever you, whatever you feel, whatever you think. This first point is the attitude of honor. The attitude of honor. And you may think, well, what's the big deal? What's the importance? Because I believe it's something honor will accumulate. And you're going to see that in a second. Honor accumulates as you go. And so... When we show up consistently with an attitude of honor and say, you know what, I am having a bad day, but I'm not going to put that on my boss. I am having a bad day, but I'm not going to put that on my wife. Come on, ladies, say amen. Good grief. I'm just tossing you softballs all morning and you're just sitting there. I've had a bad day, but I'm not going to take it out on my, I'm going to, listen, elevate your kids for once and don't take it out on them. Because the Bible says that we shouldn't, we shouldn't treat our kids that way. We shouldn't come at them and, and make them anxious and angry. We shouldn't take it out on them either. And so as adults, if we don't learn to control our emotions, then we're giving ourselves over to them. And Paul's writing to the Romans saying, listen, if you give yourself over to sin... That's why he writes to Timothy and says, listen, you don't have a spirit of fear. What is fear? Fear is an... Emotion, isn't it? He said, you don't have a spirit of fear. You don't, have, you, you don't have to give in to this emotion of fear and then let it rule all your relationships. He said, but you have, you have power, love, and a what? Sound mind. He said, you can control it. You can take it under authority of Christ and you can say, listen, here's how I feel this today. I do feel this way today. But I'm not ruled by the way I feel. I'm ruled by the fact that I should give honor to those that honor is due. And God, you placed me in this job, so I'm not, I'm not just going to dump that on my boss this morning. I'm going to walk in, and I'm going to rubber band my cheeks back to my ears, and I'm going to smile. Right? Amen. What if the church showed up Monday at work like that? Where everybody in the office knew, hey, listen, man, this... This relationship with Jesus thing is serious. I know what they're going through. And yet they show up to work with a smile on their face. But so often we go in and we're like, you know, I think the boss thinks as bad as you think he stinks. We just play into the emotional roller coaster game. And the trouble is, is that honor is your choice. Amen? Honor is your choice. If you don't like your job, just quit. I had a guy tell me, if you can't honor, if you can't honor where you're at, quit. It's better than dishonoring. Mm. You're like, but my 401k. So material blessings keep you from doing the right thing by honoring, right? You're like, I can treat them like dirt as long as I'm going to re- get a retirement out of it and God will be okay with that. No, he's not. And you thought this was going to be a warm, fuzzy, like, retirement speech. <laughs> the king said to me, what is it that you want? All right, so we got an attitude of honor, right? I'm going to walk in tomorrow, regardless of what my insides say, I'm going to force myself to honor that person with my attitude, right? 
Regardless of how I come home from work, I'm going to force myself to honor my kids and my wife when I come home from work. I'm not going to kick the dog, scream at the kids, and yell at my wife anymore. (laughs) Some of us are going to be a slow transition, right? I don't have a dog anymore, so I'm just kicking the wall. Um, The attitude of honor. What you see next is the altitude of honor. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Nehemiah, there is a huge issue now with his people. So he finds out, if you read in chapter one, he finds out from his brother, his, his family goes over there and he comes back and, his, and he says, hey man, how is, how's in Jerusalem? Heard the temple was rebuilt. It's awesome. And his brother goes, man, it's not that good. It's defenseless. Walls are down, gates are burned, and it's not a good deal. And, and, and it's kind of chaos. And this hits Nehemiah at his core. At his core. Can I tell you this? If you show up for seven years with a bad attitude, how's your boss going to know anything else is happening? He's not. You're just going to show up to work and they'll be like, well, they've been torqued off for the last 10 years anyway. It's just whatever. Right? But because Nehemiah had an attitude of honor... When, when something severe really was happening, it wasn't a wolf cry, right? He wasn't crying wolf. We have to be able to differentiate between regular stuff and serious stuff, don't we? Facebook's killed that for us. Social media has killed that in our society where, you know... You getting pickles on your sandwich at McDonald's is enough to go in and yank the manager over the counter. You know, you know, people are calling nine one one now because they didn't get the right amount of nuggets. Several several reports. I'm not, I, don't, I don't I don't make things up. Several reports I've read this year, where people will call nine one one from McDonald's because their order was wrong. And you say, how did we get that far? Because we don't know how to honor anyone. We don't know how to graciously say, hey, listen, I know you've had a rough day at McDonald's all day. And you got my order wrong. But I don't want to demean you. I want to elevate you in this moment. And I want to say, hey, listen, I understand it's tough. Four nuggets instead of six. I know it's tough. But could you, could you please, could, you, could I please trade these out? And do it in a God-honoring way. Amen. No, I'm going to dial 911 say, hey, bring the SWAT team down. We got a situation there at McDonald's. Ran out of nuggets, and I got four instead of six. Our society has went off the deep end. So we don't have the attitude, attitude of honor, and we never reach the altitude of honor. So, so because we're freaking out all the time, nobody knows when the sky is really falling. So here the first time Nehemiah walks in front of the king, And because there's a very serious situation, the safety of people is at stake. He, he's, his face is down, is cast down, and and the king goes, wait a second. I've never seen you like this before. He's like, I know. But hey, listen. There's something really serious going on. The king says, what do you, what does he say? What is that? Can, can you put it back up there? That little portion? You may have to skip back a couple, couple screens. He says this. He said, what is it you want? What is it you want? What, now, now listen, you might blow that off. Be like, oh, the king just said, what does he want? Do you see the role reversal all of a sudden? <laughs> Unbelievable. And this is what, this is one of the things I want you to get is that the attitude of honor eventually leads to the altitude of honor. And now the king is standing there. Nehemiah is consistently his whole career asking the king what he wants. And all of a sudden, because Nehemiah had honored the king his whole time with him, the king flips it and says, Nehemiah, I've never seen you like this. It must be serious. What do you want? You know why your boss never asks you what you want? Because he really does not want to know. Because your attitude has stunk for the last 10 years. And he's like, God, whatever. Whatever. 
You'll never reach the altitude without the attitude. You'll never get there. You'll never, you'll never get to the, you'll never rise to where you want to be with an attitude that's down here. It doesn't happen. So the king looks at him and says, what do you want? And then Nehemiah's like, whoa, I've never been in this spot before. This is crazy. You're, you're asking me what I want? Okay, now it's time to pray. Lord, let me not screw this up. Doesn't really say what he prayed. I think it was one of those moments where he's like, ah, holy cow. Watch this. When you elevate others, it ends up elevating you. And and, and you don't do that on purpose. Like, I'm going to give Pastor Skip a compliment on his shirt because I'm hoping he'll compliment my shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Skip, that's a great striped shirt. What do you think about mine? Come on, we talked last week about that. You're not giving to get, but what happens is when you give honor, it ends up elevating you. Come on, you, you know, if you walk into work for 10 years in a row with a good attitude and you work right beside a guy that walks in for 10 years with a bad attitude, who's your boss going to come and ask what they think about something? You're like the guy with a bad attitude. No. No, the attitude of honor gives you the altitude of honor. Watch this, Matthew 20, 26 verses 28. And this, I'm hoping this will convince you to elevate people around you. We, we heard um, Larry Osborne make this point uh, a, couple weekends, a couple weeks ago at the minister's retreat. Matthew 20, verses 26 to 28. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Do you know what's so important about that? Starting in verse 26, whoever wants to become great among you, that's your choice. It didn't say you had to be great. Is if you want to be great, right? How many of you want just average? Like, you're like, man, if I could just live an average life, the rest of the, man, I, I'm figuring I got 40 years left. If I could just eke out average the rest of these 40 years. I can tell you, Pastor Don's sitting over here thinking, man, in the next 40 years, if I could ride all the way across the country like 17 times, then I'll go to another continent and ride across. I'll just, I'll just put paddle wheels on my bike and just go across the ocean on it. I don't know. Like, he's not, he's not an average thought, right? Not an average thought. So, so in Matthew, it's saying, it's saying, if you want to be great, what do you have to do? You have to elevate everybody around you. Because if you're going to be the servant of all, that means everybody else has to be elevated above you. What's he talking about? He's saying, he's saying, honor everyone, elevate everyone around you. You be the servant. You be last. You be, you be the least. And then you will be great. Because the attitude of honor gives you the altitude of honor. So what has Nehemiah been doing? This whole time, he's been saying, he's been saying, look, uh, it's, you know, uh, it's my choice to honor the king. And so I'm going to come in with a good attitude. I'm going to honor the king. I'm going to honor the king. I'm going to honor the king. It's my choice. I want to be great in the king's kingdom. Amen? I believe Nehemiah set out to be the greatest cupbearer ever. I don't know how they've given cupbearer awards, how that, what that looks like. But I, I, I imagine him setting out, Lord, I want to be great at this. And he says, okay, if you want to be great, then elevate the king. Show up with a good attitude. Show up with a good attitude. Show up with a good attitude. And then the, if you're the least, you'll end up. Being the greatest. You see the altitude change? See how that works? You go from here to here, and all you did the whole time was what? Elevate everyone else. And you know what the cool thing is? A rising tide lifts all. Nobody's ever heard that before? A rising tide lifts all boats. So as I'm elevating everyone else, I end up coming up with them, don't I? How many of you only want half of your family to make it? Like, I know you got like two kids you really don't care for. (laughs) You heard it, Pastor Don's family has the exact same issue. Laura got on there and said she was a favorite, and I think the other two knew it. (laughs) 
They didn't, they didn't claim, they didn't claim the right. That wasn't their first go-to. They didn't claim the right. So I'm always telling, I'm always telling my kids the same thing. I'm like, depending on what I want to have, I'm like, you know, you're my favorite. They're like, we know. I'm like, well, as long as for today. Now, Nehemiah finds himself in a role reversal for the first time. Honor has elevated him for the ask. Honor has elevated him for the ask. What a privilege it is to show up at work with a good attitude and then have your boss come to you and ask what you guys should do next. What a privilege. Nehemiah finds this out. It scares him a little bit. He's like, so I prayed. Don't let me screw this up. Lord, you've given me this opportunity. I've tried to honor you. I've tried to honor the king. It doesn't really say what he says. He just says he prayed. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Help. The king just asked me what I want. The king just asked me what I want. You know, I'm reminded of a time when Solomon had a dream. David had died. Solomon became king, and he's getting ready to dedicate the temple, and he has a dream. And the Bible says that God said, hey, ask whatever you want. It's really telling when we get the option, isn't it? Is honor really in our hearts or is it just something we say to impress people? But when we get the option, Solomon says, I'm just a young guy and I don't know what I'm doing. And these are your people and I need wisdom to lead your people. You know what? If somebody on staff or somebody that works for us came to me and said, listen, man, I need wisdom to lead your people. I'm going to go, you're on my team, man. This is awesome. What's God say? Because you asked correctly, because you didn't ask for this or that or wealth or anything else, you can have it all. Honor elevates. So the attitude of honor gives you the altitude of honor. Now Nehemiah is in a role reversal. The king is asking him what he wants. Nehemiah is praying, going, oh, Lord, help me out in this moment. He was used to filling the king's request. Now the king is filling his. Can I say this? There's no shortcut to this moment. There's no shortcut to this moment. If you kick your dog enough, it will not come back and lick your hand. If you kick your boss enough, they will not come back and ask your opinion. If you kick your wife enough, you'll go to jail. (laughs) Forget whether she thinks she cares what you think. This doesn't come from a history of complaints to you to wear the boss down. The, The result is from a reputation of elevating others. Come on, church, we've got a golden moment in our society right now. To teach people what honoring others really, really accomplishes. That we can elevate people. Think about it next time you're in Walmart. Think about it next time you're, you're with somebody that you wouldn't think of honoring and just elevating them in the moment. All right, so we've got the attitude of honor. Then we've got the altitude of honor. If the band wants to come up. Now watch this. Nehemiah says something here that I don't want you to miss and you could gloss over it, but it's super, super, super important. He says this, he says, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Now, here's what we want to happen sometimes. We want, we want to do it the way we want to do it for years and years and years and years, right? And then in the moment where we need God the most, we just want to call him down. We just want to rub the genie bottle, have him pop out, not say anything about our history and give us exactly what we want in the moment. Amen. Anybody ever done that? Lord, I'm asking you to ignore what I've been doing for the last 10 years. I'm asking you to ignore my attitude because now I need you more than ever. Show up and make it come true. And I'd like two more wishes after that. Don't we treat God that way? So if you don't understand, you'll read this wrong. You'll say, because the gracious hand of my God was on me, it would have happened anyway. Mm. 
You might read that as it didn't matter what Nehemiah was doing. The gracious hand of God was on him, and that's why the king responded. It doesn't matter if Nehemiah showed up for 10 years with a great attitude. The gracious hand of God was on him, and that's why it happened. Here's what I want you to see in this. The gracious hand of God had been on Nehemiah since the start. And every day Nehemiah got up and didn't go before the king sad... The gracious, you could say the gracious hand of God was on Nehemiah, so he didn't show up before the king sat. The gracious hand of Nehemiah showed up, was, the gracious hand of God was on Nehemiah, and, and, and even though this really bad thing happened to him, he, he served the king well. You see, you can't, you can't take one moment in time and say, well, it was, it was just totally separate from anything Nehemiah did. God just showed up and gave him what he wanted. I believe the gracious hand of God had been on Nehemiah from the start to get him to the point where God, or where the king asked him what he wanted. And if we're not careful, we'll treat God like a genie. And we'll say, well, I want the gracious hand of God to be on me no matter what I do. There's another story in the Bible like that, isn't there? Joseph, he gets the coat of many colors and His brothers throw him in the pit. They go back and tell his dad that he was dead. And then he goes to a place, uh, he goes to work for a guy named Potiphar. Let me read to you what it says here. Genesis chapter 39, verses 2 through 6. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian Egyptian master. Now, does that mean the Lord was with Joseph so Joseph sat around on the couch and just lounged around all day? And because the Lord was so with Joseph, his his Egyptian master decided to overlook that. And his Egyptian master decided to let Joseph do whatever he wanted to do. If Joseph wanted to be lazy and eat too much, then it was fine with the Egyptian master, master because the hand of the Lord was on Joseph. You never read that in the Bible. No, what does it say? It says, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Come on, it's your choice, isn't it? It's your choice, isn't it? You can wake up in the morning and go to work with the worst attitude of any employee in there. And and God is not going to give you success. It's not in spite of your attitude. It's I'm, I'm coming along to help you control your attitude. The gracious hand of God was on me today and I showed up with a good attitude. The gracious hand of God was on me today and I decided to do something that benefited somebody else. It doesn't say in the Bible that when Joseph did it, it just benefited him. It said that Potiphar saw that everything he did, God gave him success in. Joseph was moving on behalf of his captor. Joseph found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he didn't concern himself with anything except the food he ate. The attitude of honor gives you the altitude of honor amen and then at the end you realize the accumulation of honor what is it you want what is it you want Joe? what is it you want nehemiah king the place i'm from the walls are torn down the gates are burned and this is what i need boom 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 and he lays it out and he says because the hand of the lord i I think you could say it like this, because the hand of the Lord has been on me from the beginning to this point, to get me to this spot, to get me favor with the king, to get me all of these things. Because the hand of the Lord has been on me, the king granted my request, the accumulation of honor. He granted me my request. If you think Nehemiah just woke up, walked up to a stranger king and demanded provisions to rebuild a wall in a city he had never been to, that's not how it worked. 
Nehemiah had proven himself honorable. He had proven himself to have the king's cares at first in his heart. He had proven himself to show up with a great attitude. He had proven himself that he could control how he operated. The hand of God was on him the whole time. And the king said, hey, listen, whatever you need, whatever you need. Now watch this. Stand up. You know how I know the king was really fond of Joseph? Because he said, how long are you going to be gone? When are you getting back? So listen, if, jo- or if Nehemiah had showed up for years with a bad attitude, the king might have said, hey, yeah, you can go and stay gone. But he looks at Nehemiah and he says, all right, this is super important to you. I'm good with it. How long are you going to be gone? When are you going to be back? And he said, it pleased the king to send me, so I set a date. He was still honoring the king, even though he was concerned about his people. Do you see that? Please the king to send me, so I set a date. I'm going to honor him. He, he wants me to come back. He enjoys me serving him, and so I'm going to do that. Can we be that church? Can we wake up tomorrow and show up to work, show up with your family? You can go home tonight and say, listen, we're going to elevate the kids. I'm going to elevate my wife. I'm going to elevate my husband. I'm going to control these emotions that are in my heart. Amen. And I'm going to elevate the people around me. So the attitude of honor gives you the altitude of honor. And finally, the accumulation of honor. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. God, you teach us well. It's in your word, Lord. It's all there. And we ask you to give us a heart that would elevate those around us, Lord. We ask you that this week, when we go out into our community, when we go out into our job environment, when we're with our family, Lord, that we would elevate the people around us, Lord. They'd feel better because they were in our presence, God. The attitude of honor would elevate them around us. And Lord, we pray that when the time comes, that it would be known that your hand has been on us from the beginning, Lord. And that you'd you direct our steps to honor you. We thank you for it. God, we pray this morning that we submit our lives to you and that you direct our steps today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church, could you give him honor and glory this morning? He's worthy.